My guest today has been described as someone who inspires people to succeed through his leadership, energy and enthusiasm. A colleague said about him, I found him to be an outstanding coach and someone who ensured I reached my full potential every single day. Another colleague goes on to say, as a leader, he is strategic in his thinking, personable in his dealings with people and aggressive in his need to win. Another colleague said, it is rare to find someone with the infectious enthusiasm that he has for his role, for his team and for sales. I've always found him to be reliable, trustworthy and energetic and his passion for what he does rubs off on everyone around him. A great guy to work with. It is no surprise therefore that he was named in the 2021 top 100 sales leaders globally. He currently serves as the head of business digital sales for Vodafone, having previously worked in sales leadership roles for Software AG, Dell EMC and Oracle Corporation. Jimmy Cook, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. My inner imposter syndrome is screaming at me now, so it is because I'm going, stop, stop, stop. Stop talking about me. I have, I, I, I have, I have many more I could pick from. I, I, I'm keen because as somebody I got to meet you in Oracle and followed your your career path from there. And but come here, I want to talk. I want to go back a little bit because I noticed that I know that you're an avid cyclist. Uh, you mentioned that you're a triathlete, triathlete, triathlon. Um, you also coach basketball. basketball. I do. I do. Yes. Here's what disturbs me. You're from Wexford, but you never mentioned hurling anywhere. Are you ashamed? <laughs> oh God, this is a Kilkenny man and a Wexford man. So yeah, I was born in Wexford, born in, um, born in Rosslare. Um, my dad worked down in Kelly's Hotel in Rosslare um, as, a, as a waiter uh, working in the bar. And I was born in Rosslare Harbour, lived in the Strand for a while. And, uh, and then we moved up, my dad and my mum and dad had a place called a tavern in Enniscorthy. I guess anyone from Wexford will know. Not the antique tavern, the famous one, the other one in Temple Shannon. And uh, I spent a couple of years there, then moved to Carlow, um, where my family are now in the, in the North Bagman, Lockton Bridge. So my, my, my whole background is all hospitality and catering. There's a good story about how I'm not in that that we can touch on in a while if you want to. Um, but yeah, Wexford ran proud. Uh, family are all, and even though my, my family are now all over the world, we have, a, we have an extended family WhatsApp group that literally is alive with slagging the dubs and slagging Kenny and figuring out why Dublin get all the priority funding and all this kind of stuff. So, so yeah, there's a, there's a strong mm. family background, but hurling was there. Mm. And is it true that you had to walk 10 miles to a hedge school every day when you were a kid? No, I was privileged. It was 12 miles, was it? Yeah, I was okay. Up the hill and yeah. up the Shannon. Yeah. I was all yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, you mentioned that hospitality thing. What is that story? I'm curious. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not that much of a story. So mum and dad, hospitality for years. Um, and my dad did something amazing when I was uh, 14, younger, 13 or 14. Um, and I'm the oldest of my, my family. Um, he had me in, I say he, but it was both of my mum and dad, had me in sorting bottles, doing all the hard work, stacking shelves, doing all that stuff that, that no one likes doing. And, and any of my pals who watch this later on will giggle at this because they remember this. Um, they used to run discos, as they were called back then, uh, showing my age or now, and uh, for, you know, for the local community. And at the time, as I was getting into that kind of 15, 16, seven years of age, 
I'm working behind the bar, you know, pulling pints. And all of a sudden, one night I'm standing there and I start seeing my pals come in. And I'm going, hang on, why, why am I standing behind the bar pulling pints? From my friends who are underage, giving me the nod and the wink, going, a pint of harp there, Jimmy, please. And Wayne, yes, it's you. Um, a pint of harp. And I'm going, what? No, 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 I'm not doing this. No, this is wrong. And, and that's where actually I made the decision then to not stay in hospitality. Other than that, I'd be hopefully managing a hotel somewhere. And I made the decision to, to, to not do hospitality because I, 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 I don't want to do this all my life. Because um, it's the toughest gig in the world. Um, and at the time I was into playing with computers, you know, messing around with computers at the time because Spectrums and all that kind of stuff and Commodore 64s, showing my age again, were all coming to the fore then and we got our first computer in the hotel and I was playing with it and breaking it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I decided I wanted to go and study computer programming in college um, and, and joined or got a place in Carlow Regional Technical College, as it was at the time, Carlow ITC now. And, uh, and studied computer programming. And immediately, like, like within a week, I realized, hang on, I'm not designed to be a software developer. I'm not designed to be in, in software, in programming and maths and STEM and all that stuff. Well, STEM didn't exist, exist back then. Very quickly realized I'm gonna struggle through this. I did, did two years at it um, and struggled through every single day of it because I'm not, that's not, that's not me. Um, and figured out I had to go and do something. So at the time, uh, you do a certificate, and then if you did well enough, you got the diploma, and then on to, to do the degree. So I didn't do well enough in the certificate to get to the diploma, so I went off and did some work experience in, a, in an amazing company called Datapack in Wexford. And what college was this in that you did? You said you did the certificate? Carlo. But did, in Carlo RTC? Yeah, yeah, as it was back then. It's Carlo ITC now, but yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what, what year was that? That was in the early 90s, Paul. Let's just leave it there and move on. No, I, 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 I asked because I did the exact same thing. I went to Carlo RC, RCT as well, or Carlo Regional, yeah. And, and, and I also did the certificate. I also didn't do well enough to go on and do the diploma. Not kidding you. Brilliant. It's true. true. I, and, and later on, I became a software engineer, didn't like it, and then went into sales. Yeah, similar path. 90, 92 to 94. I was there. Yeah, 92. Can, can I make you feel better? So, go on. 93 to nine, Yeah, 83 to 85. I was there. So after my after my uh, two amazing years in Carlow, where I spent more time in cobblers, uh, you, you'll remember, than uh, than in, in in the campus, um, I had to go and get some. Well, I, I had to go and get some work experience to go back and do the diploma. And started, I got a job in a company called Datapack, working for an amazing gentleman called David Laird, uh, who still to this day, and he doesn't realize it, he still is what I look at as a leader, right? Because um, in those early formative years, um, you know, I'm in my early 20s, and I just see David, who's probably, who at the time is my age now, or probably younger than me. Um, but I went to work for, for Datapack to get some work experience to go back and do my diploma. And I started earning some money and started figuring out that actually I'm much more comfortable dealing with people and customers than computers. Now, at the time, I was, a, I, was a, I was the repair guy. So I was the guy going out to our customers to fix their PCs and their networks and they were broken. I did that for a couple of years. And, and I remember having a light bulb moment one day, standing outside the back at a, my Fiat Uno company van, 1.9 diesel, was parked there beside me, the pride of my life. And the sales guy came in, Brendan, 
Brendan rocked in his BMW Tree Series. I'm going, hang on there. I'm telling lies and I'm here fixing all of these lies like uh, sorry 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 about it. he's out he's out he's out doing what he does I, <laughs> sorry um, he's out he's out doing his thing and I, I I can do this and um and again I'll be forever grateful to David um because David backed me I went to David and said I think I can do this and, and back then, it, it wasn't like it is now where people, especially in the inside sales organization, come through a, a process. This was, okay, Jimmy, yeah, look, you're here now a couple of years. We'll back you. Here's a set of accounts. Here's a target. Off you go. And uh, figure it out. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite that bad, but um, kind of was. And, uh, and started in sales. And, uh, and I just landed on my feet. I found, found I went back to that to the customer service values and the stuff that came from catering, which are the hospitality, which is the customer is right. When they're wrong, it doesn't matter. They're right. End of story. And I remember having so many rows internally within the organization because my view was I am the advocate, advocate of the customer within our organization. And the customer is all that matters. Nothing else matters. Everything else is irrelevant. I don't care about the noise and the background stuff. It's the customer. And that's one of the values that, that I got from working in hospitality is customer, customer, customer. And, and luckily the organization was in was, was aligned to that. Um, so yeah, that's how I, that's kind of where it was the first, I guess, college, you know, up, to, up into my mid twenties and moving into sales and in sorry, moving into sales in my mid twenties. And, uh, and, and never looking back, loving it. Where did you go from there? I'm also interested then in really is in terms of that, that transition from sales into sales leadership. Yeah. What was that like in terms of some of the hurdles you had to overcome both in yourself and around you and what lessons you learned from that? Sure, yeah, so, so in Datapack, I got my first opportunity to run a team. Um, it was my first sales manager role, running the virtualization practice. Um, and that was, we did that for a couple of years and that was really good. And I, I, you know, going into my first management role, I had all the anxieties around, you know, can I do this? Um, am I too nice to do this? I am very people centric. Can I, can I be tough? Can I be hard? Um, and that was, that's the things I was worried about. Um, but I went off and I started learning myself. Um, and, uh, and I remember the time reading, uh, a guy called Ken Blanchard. Red Ken, you know, the, for, the situation leadership. Yeah, yeah. Is he the who moved my cheese or the... Uh... No, he's, he's Ken Blanchard. He's over there. So my bookshelf is just here. He's on that. Yeah. And I go back to... Well, I, I have him here somewhere as well. And it's not, it's the... Anyway, it's not who moved my cheese. It's... No, move my cheese. Is, I have that well. chicken, chicken foods for the soul or something like that. Yeah. Anyway. But Ken Blanchard wrote this... Uh, he wrote the 10 minute manager and all this stuff. And I remember reading all those at the time and learning about it and uh, figuring out how to be a manager and how to lead people. And, <clears throat> and Ken Blanchard was one of the first things I ever read. And, uh, and I just remember reading about, you know, I remember learning about the different styles. So, you know, coaching, delegating, supporting or directing. And straight away, because I had no experience, that's, that, that, that became my blueprint. For how for how to operate and very quickly that just became everything i have now my default style and anyone that's worked with me for years will notice is is I, i'm very trusting 
probably a bit too trusting and it's probably got me in trouble sometimes because I give 100% trust in the beginning and assume it won't be broken. Um, but yeah, so stepping into that first manager's job, it was learning on my own to figure out, you know, how do you do all of this? Um, and then after that, did a couple of years of that and then I went into uh, VMware and um, helped set up VMware here in Ireland in terms of their partner community. Did a couple of years of that, amazing time, brilliant company. Um, and then actually went back today to pack as their sales director. So I had a three or four year gap and went back and then to run the, the whole organization from a sales perspective. And that was my first time managing managers. Again, complete change from away from, you know, deal focused and you know, cadence and rigor to actually strategy and taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture, but also managing much more mature people who are actually, you have to support and delegate. The days of directing and telling somebody where the toilet is and how to close the deal are gone. Right? You have to step up and step back and trust even a lot more. And I was okay with that because my default position is to trust people. So actually, I think I was okay. It helped me step into that. Um, did some time there, had a great time, but then I saw what was happening in Dublin, right? Which was all this FDI investment, the Oracles, the Facebooks, the LinkedIn's, the Googles, the Twitters were all coming and landing and I'm going, there's an opportunity here in this this digital, well at the time it was inside sales community. And, uh, and I had a chat with an individual that you and I know really well, uh, Mr. Killian O'Grady, who I know Barry talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, and Killian gave me my first gig in Oracle. So Killian took, a, again, Killian backed me um, to go from being a field sales guy into an inside sales world where, the, where it was completely different. And, uh, and I did four years at Oracle, which were amazing. I learned more on a monthly basis in Oracle than I did anywhere else in my career previously. Mm. Just because it was so, mm. it was so quick. Like what? Some of the big picture things that you, you recall that were kind of those moments for you that helped you develop as a leader? Well, even just the formal, the form, formality of how we develop people was completely different. You know, before it had been figuring out yourself, because you're in a small company, it doesn't have budget for all this stuff, right? And you're, you figure it out yourself. And it was the it was the working in a large organization which had the structures and the process and the and the rigor and the the path for people that was all new to me. Um, the politics of working in a very large organization was new to me. Locally, again, the people side of me. Um, I go back to probably one of the second book I read, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Actually, just Trudy yesterday told Trudy read the book. Um, amazing. It just and it gave me, you know, there's no need to criticize everybody all the time. There's no need to look for the worst in people. Look for the good in people and they will shine. And again, that's part of my operating principles now is just look for the good in people. And um, I think that style of not being negative, being positive, look for the opportunity in people helped me and it helped me succeed mm. and it's helped me uh, help me get through the politics in an organization yeah. like like an oracle yeah. um, i would imagine though as you said the trusting and being the nice guy and uh and seeing the good in people comes naturally to you talk to me a little bit about some of the some of the things like being tough that may have been uncomfortable for you talk to me yeah. about those and how you overcame maybe some of those discomforts yeah look the first the far i remember the first time making people redundant the first time firing people the first time having those difficult conversations you know many many years ago and they're they're they're, they're not pleasant they're not easy and, and they still aren't because again deep down in me i want i want to help and support people 
and when you see people going through this stuff it's horrible um but as i've done it you kind of get used to it and you realize it's not personal it's not about the individual it's sometimes they need that they need that support to know you know what this isn't right for you let's find something that's better for you and let's support you to go somewhere where you're going to be happier and be more successful so in the beginning it was difficult um but it is just something you have to it's part of the gig right it's part of the role um and and as i've matured and you know grown into bigger roles you know when you're when you're managing you know multiple hundreds of people now you make tough decisions and 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 luckily i've been able to make them when the impact has been small and get used to doing it to now where you know i have to make those decisions sometimes that are not comfortable but you make them you have to make them what do you do when you get it wrong uh, on a weekly basis um because i get you know i don't have all the answers uh I don't, I don't get it wrong weekly but i get it wrong regularly um i'm very lucky in that i'm surrounded by really good people who help me not to get it wrong um i don't have all the answers i really i really don't um and i rely on some amazing people and i have done all my career i have a really strong uh, sorry i'll answer your question in a second i'll answer you i have a really strong network of people who i bounce stuff off who i talk to regularly um and get advice from and just and get it get advice and advise people um to get some support and when I get it wrong, look, what's the worst thing that happens when you get it wrong? You, you, you build data that helps you not get it wrong again. So it's okay to get it wrong. But I'm, again, I'm, I'm long enough at this that I'm okay getting things wrong. But I just need to learn. As long as I know I've made a mistake, I've got this wrong, I've learned from it. What's the data that we've built up and how do we not make that again? So mm-hmm. try not to get it, I try not to get it wrong by leveraging all the really smart people around me. Um, but when we do, we learn from it, we adapt and, just, and we move on, right? And, and that's okay. It's a, mm. We all make mistakes. Mm. I'd like to go back in time just a little bit for a moment and talk to me about growing up. Who influenced you the most? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's it's a uh, it's that's my mum and dad c- completely. Um, mum and dad were uh, the the work ethic. You go back to the to the hospitality thing. You know, my my mum and dad were trying to run a at the time. It would be called a boutique restaurant. A boutique restaurant. That term didn't exist back then. It was a small country pub and restaurant, which is now a boutique hotel. You know, and the, the guts of fifty people to hundred people employed during peak season when we get open. Um, actually, by the way, to be grateful for that, I just I see the stress they're going through at the moment for the last year. With, with they've effectively been closed for a year, um, and the resilience that that I see in my my dad and my mom and my brothers who work in the business. It's it's astonishing to see what they're going through and how, how lucky I am. Um, but anyway, so it was my, yeah, my mum and dad uh, that had this work ethic that was incredible. Again, they're, they're trying to raise a young family of, of boys, all of us wild, um, but yet trying to build a business. They opened the, the Lower Bagnell in 1979 um, and it was literally the size of this room. It was a small country pub and, uh, and they had the vision. You guys own the Lower Bagnell? Yeah, the, yeah, that's my dad's mum and dad's. See, I, I, I did not know that. I did not know yeah. that. And uh, I say I know, I've only been in there once, but I used to pass it by every day when I went on that <laughs> bus and took any to RTC, yeah. used to go by a Bagnellstown. Yeah, my dad always tells a great story about um, 
about, you know, obviously my dad and mam, my dad from Enniscorthy, mam from Ferns, both being from Wexford, you know, and Kilkenny people, and they're going, look, Kilkenny are great people, because on the way home from Croke Park, they call into the Bagno. We love them, you know? Um, but yeah, that, that, that work ethic and that, that bit of vision, that, that, that brought a lot when I was young, seeing that, because they were, they were gone at 10 o'clock in the morning, we are gone off to school, and we would come back, and one of them was coming home in the middle of the day to get us fed, and try and get us to do some work and stop us gallivanting around Bagnus Town where we lived. Um, and then they're going back into work and they're home at midnight, one o'clock, two or three o'clock. Um, and that for me soaked into me, if, if you work hard, you keep your customer at the center of everything you do, you know, that look will fall, right? You, you, you'll get what you deserve. You should get what you deserve. So that, that's where it is, my, my mum and dad, absolutely. Two very different people, very different people. Um, Mum was, uh, I remember work, I used to work in the function room. My mum used to run the function room and she ruled with an iron fist. You know, it was process, rigor. Blah, blah. And my dad was all the people-centric side of it, you know, loving the customers. And and again, he got that from Kelly's Hotel. If you've ever been down in Kelly's, Mr. Kelly would always go around and say hello to everybody. And my dad brought that with him to the bank. And if you were in and you are having a bite to eat, my dad would always walk over, say hello, is everything okay? And he'd go on to the next person and he'd try to remember your name and... And uh, yeah, yeah, all that, that, that's where it all came from. Mm. And it's interesting because both those traits are now serving you well because yeah. you have to be process driven and you have to have attention to detail and you have to be able to make the tough decisions. But at the same yeah. time, you've, it's a people business you're in. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious because you mentioned that about the hospitality sector and how, how they've been affected by the the lockdowns mm. and the resilience that they've had to dig deep on contrast that then with the bubble that many of us operate in yeah and that i see people who operate in that bubble whereby they have their jobs they have that security and that yeah they're they're, they're they have been discombobulated a little but they have no idea what it's like for the small business owner that just mm just beyond their comprehension and they they, they complain and, and maybe sometimes they, they, they need to see what your parents are going through to appreciate what many people in this country and others are going through yes. right now and that is not recognized and not appreciated i i agree yeah um we're privileged to to still be working and operating um one of the things i do on the side is i i do a do a bit of work on the side mentoring startups who are trying to, uh, who are typically founders who are trying to stand up a business and get it going in the last, you know, and I've been doing it now for five or six years, um, just to keep me out of corporate world, you know, where everything's rosy in, in the real world where you're, you're ordering toilet paper and you're ordering fruit and you're trying to close the deal and you're the founder and you're trying to hire people. And, uh, and I'm doing a little bit of that and to talk to some of those guys and equally to listen to my parents, you know, and, and it's just a different world. It's a different world. Like, you know, as I said, my, now my, my mom is retired because um, she had the good sense to get out of it. Um, but my dad is, should be retired, but, but can't. He's still there. My brothers, are, my brothers are in it. But as I said, they haven't, they haven't, they've been open for a couple of months during the summer and they're just struggling through it, you know, and all their friends and they're it's all the same, you know. And, and uh, mm. I think there absolutely is a, a, a I don't know, is, is entitlement the right word, where we all feel, you know, I should have a job, but actually 
just look outside the cities and look at what's going on in some of the regions and a lot of people having a really tough time and look we're coming out of it let's be positive we are coming out of it give us another couple of months we'll be hopefully having a beer in the, in the beer garden in the lower bagnall in july you wear your mm-hmm. kenny jersey i'll wear my hybrid carlo wexford jersey <laughs> you're you're a positive how ugly, that, how ugly would that be as a jersey my god purple gold red yellow and green yeah, that would be that would be like uh, 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 your what's the word I'm looking for, like you're auditioning for Joseph and his amazing colored dream coat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, or it might look like an accident on the carpet in the Lord Bagnell at twelve thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But tell me, you 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 sound like you're is 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 that? I just noticed the way you, as soon as we started to go down into that. The bottomless pit of negativity that is COVID, you straight away you switched into, but look, let's look to the bright side. We're coming yeah. out of it. We are coming out of it, but I look, it's been a really tough year. Again, privilege, right? Or mm. loads of space and I'm okay. My just just I, I try and look at the positives that I've taken out of uh, yeah. the pandemic we've been in. I'm spending more time with my family. I you know when people used to ask me where I work, my answer was seat one A out of Dublin because I was traveling all the time. Um, for the last year, I've been able to spend time with my kids and having dinner with them most nights uh, when they want to. Uh, spend more time with Sarah. You know, we're just, we're getting to spend more time together. Um, and hopefully it'll never go back to that world of traveling all the time, office-based all the time, and I can, I can be here. So there is positive things, and we are coming out of it. I just wish we were doing it quicker. I wish. Yeah. Wish Boris or Joe would just give us a couple of million vaccines and we'd be out of this by June. And but we will get there. But I now look. I'm trying to see the positive out of it because we've all had a, we've all had a tough, we've all yeah. had a really tough year. Yeah. Well, I, I get it. It's, it's, yeah. It, it, everybody's been affected some way. But uh, yeah. I, I, I always think this that's we're in this boat together is a bit of a misnomer because we're not. We're in different boats. And I, I'm privileged. I'm fortunate. Yeah. I'm able to work here. Uh, I work from home. I have an apartment 15 minutes from where I live. So I'm able to walk, even though it's, so it feels like I'm working from home, but I'm not under anybody's feet. Yes. And that's, a, yeah. that, that, that's great. So, uh, but I do feel for small businesses because I've been there. Wow, and, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah sure is. It sure is. Tammy, come back to sales leadership for a moment. I wanted to talk about, we, we've talked a little bit about the values that you bring to the role in terms of integrity, trust, honesty, uh, openness. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know where, because the, the, I, I, I know you well enough to know that you look on life as an ongoing project and that you're an ongoing project and that we're always in growth mode. What are you working on right now on yourself that you'd like to be able to look back in five years time and say, okay, I dealt with that and I'm in a better position as a result. That's a good question. Uh, So I, going to be really transparent with you. Um, and And interestingly, when I talk about this, I think everyone has a little bit of this, but we don't talk about it. Um, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome in me um, that I think is quite common that not everyone will acknowledge. Um, and, uh, you know, and for those of you who don't know what imposter syndrome is, go and read about it. It's people who, who, who no, don't take credit for what they've done. They feel I've been lucky, you know, it's not me. Um, 
and and I need to change that. Um, but I don't need to change all of it. And I don't want to change all of it. I like the fact that I have a little bit of it. I need a little bit of it because it keeps me sharp. And a little bit of humility is good, right? Absolutely, a hundred percent. But um, but what I worry about is that there's a lot of people that have it that that uh, because I just I've been doing my research on it and reading about it and learning over the last couple of years, and and it's really common where people are are not confident in what they've done. And they'll say, well, it's, you, know, you ask me about how, how I've achieved. Straight away, I'm gonna talk about everybody else and I'll deflect away from what I've done. Um, and I need to change that a little bit. And and actually, an interesting, like the, you know, when I won that that top 100 award, like I'm like, oh my God, oh, cringe, embarrassed. Um, and my mentor said, no, talk about it, post it, stand up, be proud of it. And I, and I really am. Um, but my initial reaction was, oh, you know, probably a little bit of Irish, a little bit of the, the Irish psyche in us, and there's a little bit of uh, what's in me. Um, but to answer your question, I, I need to turn that down a little bit, but not turn it off, right? And mm. anyone that has it, you know, don't turn it off because I think it keeps us all humble and it keeps us keeps us kind of what we are. But but yeah, I need to turn it off a little bit. Um, mm. That's one thing. The other thing I'm, you know, if you ask me what do I want to be doing when I'm when I'm uh, in my 60s, I you know, don't necessarily want to be working 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. I want to get myself, uh, you know, a number, a number of non-exec roles. That's kind of where I want to go to. Um, but I need to figure out how I can do it. So some of the stuff I've been doing to try and help me learn to do that is the, the, the startup mentoring piece. But <clears throat> one of the other things I'm really passionate about, myself and my wife have done a lot of work on Sarah's uh, amazing at this is is helping childhood charities um and uh i do, do you remember, remember that thing where i cycled across europe in a moment a week yes um, yes we cycled, we cycled across europe to raise money for well i i, I chose to do with this to raise money for childhood charity and we raised about 25 grand for for ch children's charities um and one of the things that i've decided to do is i need to go and get myself a a role on a board where I, I can be a trustee on a board um, to to give back to some of those charities and bring some of my experience around commercial, you know, and I look and I, I, I'm no expert on it, but I think I can help them with a lot of things. Um, so I'm looking for the opportunity to work with, you know, a charity that I have a lot of passion for that I can help, but but while it's helping, it's helping the, the while well, I can help the charity, it's also helping me to get that experience of being on a board and, and experience of governance and all that new things that I've learned over the last couple of years that I can then bring to what I want to be doing in 15 years from now. Um, yeah, so there are things I'm working on. I think if I, again, to answer your question, if I look back in a couple of years time mm. to be turned down some of the stuff that's going on in my head that might be holding me back, but equally have developed myself so that I'm further along the path to be able to take that non-exec role, but also will have helped, you know, will have found something that I can help and help a, you know, a charity that maybe needs some experience like I have to, to grow. I'm going to take advantage of your good nature with the next question. Go on. Um, I, can, I can imagine working in a company like Datapack in a field sales role back when you were there that you had to be tough. You had to be resilient mm -hmm. to succeed in that. You had to deal with all types of characters. You couldn't get offended easily. You had to roll with the punches. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering now you look at some of the modern sales organizations, are they too soft and too woke? 
I don't no no I don't think so I don't think so I think uh oh I've conflated those two things by the way and they, and they, they don't necessarily go together so yeah <laughs> feel free to pick them apart is it a bit softer I think I think there's certainly parts of it are but like it's a tough gig you know you mm -hmm. you see people coming in now to uh start their career my my brother Dylan is um is a couple of years into his career with, uh, with Eric and Indeed, and he's, he's having a really good time there. But you know, you start as that, you come in as a, think about you're 22 years of age, you're just out of college, completely naive, and all of a sudden you're an SDR. Mm. You know, and you're, you're uh, okay, so there's a list, call those strangers, 99% of them are going to reject you, but call them. And that's a tough place to start, it, but actually- It, it, it is, it is. I guess where I'm going with it as well is wondering, and I'm thinking of David Laird going, if you came to David and said, I don't want to pick up the phone and call somebody, I'm going to send them an email instead. <laughs> we had this conversation. If David's watching this, we had this conversation recently. Really? Yeah. Like, just pick up the phone. Like, yeah. what is the work? And, that's, and that's where I was going with the, yeah. the tough bit is that, and maybe it's just that they have too many options, but... I just wonder because it's the number one problem. In fact, I've often turned it into a question when I'm talking to sales leaders. And the question is, of course, it's, this is a little bit of a pre-pandemic question, but you know, when you put your ear out onto the sales floor, do you hear the sound of people talking or do you hear the clickety-clack of keyboards? And you, every, every time, oh, you get this response. And, and I'm just wondering, and again, are we at fault for that to allow it to accept yeah. it because so we know it's not as effective yeah i do agree with you sorry now i understand your question better uh, i i do agree absolutely we are don't get me wrong social and doing your research and getting your insights and all that absolutely is valuable but you cannot get away from these things you you you, you need to talk to people that's where your relationship gets built that's where trust gets built use everything you can to make that connection but you you got to talk to people mm. but just do your research first mm. understand who you're talking to i think i had an experience just last week with a an sdr who reached out to me and I, you know i get what was it i get a couple of day right um through linkedin through email blah, blah, blah. i get a couple of, I, I i guess one a week mm. on this Right. Mm -hmm. People can find my mobile number. That's easy, right? It's all the technology exists now. There's some amazing technology. We have to find numbers, but people don't use it. Um, but I get all the I get all the emails, but or emails and the, the emails and everything. Um, but I just the, the thing for me is the personalization. That again, I won't mention the company, but an SDR from a company in the UK, he did his research. He went off and he had read up on, on what's going on. He'd read up a little about me. He figured out and he was able to see cycling, basketball, what I'm into. And he just, he took the three, well, maybe the 10 minutes to personalize it and to reach out to me with something that would hook me. And yeah, look, let's have a call. No problem at all. I want to hear yeah. what you have to say. Um, yeah. and, and so I think he did that right. He personalized it and then he, he got the hook. And then we got the call going and we had the conversation. Um, 
but absolutely i think pick up the phone what's the worst that's going to happen that's what i'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm helping out a, a couple of younger people in my family at the moment who are figuring out what are we going to do you know and uh, and of course my default always is go to sales because you don't need to be smart you can earn a load of money get into sales if you're happy with people getting into sales but i ask that qualifying question and, and say answer this in your stomach when you start and you join us and i go right mary here's your list of 150 people you're going to call this week and call them not email them call them how does that make you feel and some of them go ah, great no issue at all but some of them just you know like can i snapchat them you know and they go no you can't you, you, you got to engage them and if you know, I'd say this to anybody who's thinking about a career, look at sales. But if, if you can if you can answer that question that I'm okay with calling and being rejected and I don't take it personally, go for it. You can yeah. have an amazing career. Yeah. You earn a lot of money. Yeah, I'm curious about that one though because I have often had that experience on a Sunday night at nine o'clock and I'll look and I'll go, okay, I'm going to call these people and I'll feel perfectly fine in that moment. Yeah. It's only the next morning when I'm sitting at my desk, looking at the phone. And you're finding everything, you're, 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 you're everything. Absolutely, you're yeah. yeah. Everything. It's very easy to say, yeah, yeah, I have no problem. But then doing it is, it is, yeah. it is, it's difficult. There's no but question the, about that's, it. I mean, that's the reason I ask people, just to be honest, don't, don't, don't be honest with me if you don't want to, but be honest with yourself. If you can, if you can go, yeah, I'm okay doing this. You, mm. you'll fly through it. If I had been able to do that when I was younger, oh, I mean, every, everything just would have happened quicker because I had all that as well. The, mm. the fear of rejection, the fear of calling somebody who doesn't want to talk to you. What are they going to think about me? Oh, my God. And, you know, back then I was in my 20s. I cared, you know, mm. whereas, you know, now as you get a bit older, you realize actually it doesn't matter. They've forgotten about you before you've even hung up the phone. Don't Is that the secret sauce just not to care? I think it's definitely a part of it. Now, look, mm. it's not easy. It's not it's not as easy, especially for mm. maybe the the current generation of younger people who are used to doing everything on mobiles and iPads mm. and chatting and all this kind of stuff. Um, I think if you can just get past that, you can be really successful. I look in lots of other qualities as well, but, but it is mm. the big thing that holds people back is that, that fear of picking up the phone and the procrastination and the finding all the reasons to do everything instead of just yeah. do it. Mm. You know? Tell me, is, is managing other managers different from managing reps yeah 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 oh completely um and again i'm very privileged i have a team of of an amazing leadership team around me who uh who are all very sufficient and very very self-sufficient excuse me and able to do it um but yeah i mean i go back to when i was managing reps it was about the deal it was about the qualification it was the the opportunity and it was deal 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 everything was about the customer and the deal next step you know, and I just step back and step away from the deal. Um, and look, and I'm still involved in reviews and, and opportunity reviews, um, especially as we finish our quarters and years and so on over the last couple of weeks. But uh, it's much more about the strategy and uh, standing back and taking a bigger picture view and being able to see around corners and see what's coming. So yeah, they're completely different roles. Um, and I don't know if we, do we prepare people properly for all that? I think I, one of the things that helped me um, in Oracle, even though I was managing managers at the time, um, kind of try jump into it and see how you go. Uh, there was a mini MBA we did, and I remember at the time doing it over a couple of months. Um, 
and it you know it just talk it took you through some of the how to step back and think strategically you know how to not just be in the operations and also how to trust people give give that trust because you can't be in all the detail and again i'm lucky in that i'm i'm not one of these people who has to know all the detail and has to control everything i'm very i'm very happy to trust the leadership team to go and do what they need to do that's why i've hired mm -hmm. you I'm, I haven't heard just so I can tell you what I have to do. That's a massive failing of mine. Um, and I learned loads there. Doing a really interesting thing at the moment, actually. I'm doing a, a CRO school um, as part of the Revenue Collective. That's really interesting. Three-week program, again, just to help me get better and help me develop. And uh, you know, we have a lecture tonight. Um, and that's, that's something that's just helping me uh, understand the next level up, right? Because how, how do I get beyond where I am right now was a, effectively as a general manager of the inside sales organization. But how do I step up to be that CRO in my next, you know, next row years from now? Um, so it's a constant. So I know mm. I'm answering the question you asked, but it's it's a mm. constant uh, development that needs to happen. Uh, if you had a magic wand that you could change how sales is conducted, what would you change? Oh, I would. I would, if marketing, if marketing could forget about brand, forget about fluffy stuff, and just focus on demand, create demand, bring people to us, your average salesperson could be three times as productive, right? If we had, if we could get marketing, bringing people to us who want to buy, bringing people to us who have a problem, who have come to us because they think, ah. I have an issue and Paul can help me fix that. And I'm going to Paul, as opposed to Paul trying to, you know, message out to a hundred people. Paul's got three people coming to him who, who have a problem and need. That's the mm. magic wand I'd wave and, and make it so. So where, where's the line then in that, Jimmy? Because if you look at the likes of Apple, people go to them you know, rather than the other way around. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah, built yeah. largely on brand. Now there's obviously a lot of substance behind the brand, yeah, but it is brand. So where's the line that says, because because I'm going to play devil's advocate now and take the marketers who are going to say, if the brand is strong enough, we don't need to bring you leads. They'll come to us. That's okay in consumer, I think. I'm not a consumer guy. That's okay in consumer, but not in B2B when I say is a sexy brand. Oh, don't get me wrong. Brand is part of it. There's some amazing organizations out there who have amazing brands, but they leverage that brand to bring people to them, or they leverage that brand to somehow to, to do so. And I'm not a marketer either, by the way, um, clearly, who leverage their brand to be involved in something that's going to bring people to them to perhaps consume some content where you're going to get insights around, well, why is Paul taking my content? What can I learn from that? And then how can I engage Paul? Because Paul's engaged that content and he's, read some of my posts and he's liked some stuff or he's shared something how how what's the insight i can get from all that and if 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 i have marketing bringing all of that and not just me any other sales leader has marketing bringing that demand to them that's how you try that's how i believe the, that's where the magic wand is to transform and drive sales productivity because you know why, why, why need marketing at all then why not just teach sdrs and bdrs uh some online marketing dem gen skills no because they can't do it i mean again it's not scalable right so look at look at the, if, if you're if you're trying to 
The biggest mistake I see people make, and it, again, mature tech companies don't make this, but, but smaller ones do, is they try and use sales to create demand. It's the wrong thing to do. They're too expensive. They're too precious. They're too, go back to the, you know, the, am I going to pick up the phone and call people? They're probably not. Use marketing, and there's an interesting question around should SDRs report into marketing or sales? It's a different conversation. But use marketing and the demand team to create demand. If you can, I'm repeating it now for the third time. If you can create demand, give it to the sales guys, then, then that world transforms. Their productivity transforms, or you don't need as many of them. But is that not the role of a business development group to create demand? Yeah, yeah, it's part of it. Yeah, yeah. But again, think about think about those guys, right? So if, if, if you have a team of SDRs and they're outbound calling and doing all their research and trying to figure out who they should talk to, that's that's person intensive, so therefore expensive. Whereas again, remember, this is magic wand stuff we're talking about here, not the real world. If the magic wand says I can have these guys fed with massive volumes of inbound demand. No, sorry, not massive volumes, with high volumes of qualified, high-scored leads and high-scored demand from people who want to buy, then their job gets easier. The sales guys, they, you know, the AEs are getting higher, more higher, higher qualified content. Everyone's happy. Everyone's making quota. The world's a brilliant place, and we're all off the club. Okay, I'm, I'm glad we're talking. I'm glad we're talking hypothetically here because I want to throw yeah. something else at you. Is this? Is that? there has been this push for inbound marketing. It was the next big thing. My sense is that it's completely failed to live up to the hype for the very simple reason is that when you get inbound leads, they tend to be very junior fact gatherers, uh, information gatherers, and that sales need to talk to decision makers. But now because you're relying on people coming to you looking for price lists and information, you're now stuck at a much lower level in the organization. Yeah. And that in reality, we just get rid of that and start co- tar- targeting, focusing in on X number of accounts, targeting the right people in those. You don't even need marketing at all. It's a fair challenge. I think if that's happening, that's a failure of your sales process, right? If you haven't got a process that can allow that more junior inbound lead to come in. And that's not always the case. You know, I, I go and do my research um, and I go and fill in forms and I get those calls. Um, but if your sales process is not able to get the right questions asked and get through those junior people and then find out who are the right people to talk to and then you unleash your SDR organization to go and do all of that, that that's a process. But I think- oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. But it's, it's, isn't it a question of efficiency? I can battle my way up through the layers that way, or I yeah. can go straight by taking oh, yeah. control and going that yeah. way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But going straight up here is low return, probably, right? It's a lot of volume and it's a lot, not a lot of return versus the insight around company X who has expressed something. I remember, we remember the magic wand. It's not about the lead from the junior person. It's the high scored lead at volume. So that means the company has had multiple people who've done stuff and interacted. We know this company is the right company. We know our our ICP tells us this is the right organization we should deal with. We know who our target is in there. Our propensity tools have told us, actually, these guys are going to buy. And then you pile your resource at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. So it's really is the activity is telling you a story about what's happening at that organization. And then you, you, you may decide to go one route or the other or both, as the case or may open, be. Multiple yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right way you can. Yeah. 
That's yeah. the way you can. Yeah, Jimmy, I'm conscious it's coming up against the hour and I know you have a hard stop. I wanted to thank you first of all and ask you, uh, ask every guest, if there was a book written about your life, what would the title be? Really good question. And I should have known you were going to ask this because I have watched some of the podcasts. Uh, work hard, build a good network, be honest with people, and good guys will do okay. That's a long title, but it will look good. As long as your picture's in the background, I think if it's in the right font, it'll work. You can't be on the spot. I think, I think it'd be something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it'd be something that's like that. That's it. That's the, that's, the, that's the code. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody could disagree with that. Jimmy, that's excellent. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. It was fantastic to catch up. Really appreciate your insights. If you've enjoyed this call just or this uh, podcast as much as I have, please consider giving the podcast a review. It will really help us out. Uh, and, and as a way of showing your appreciation to my guests like Jimmy, who give up their time freely and provide us with these insights. Jimmy Kyo, thank you once again. Thank you very much, Paul.